You may notice that during the first 20 some minutes of this show, the audio quality is a little less than our usual standard. Um, we had some technical difficulties, but we did manage to record the show on a secondary recorder source. So we've cleaned it up as best we can. It's not terrible, but I apologize for that. And uh, the second half of the show is uh, of our normal audio quality. So enjoy the show. You found us. What about this idea? Gotta listen to this show. Why? Because it's about the hearts and minds of entrepreneurs. <laughs> oh, nailed it. I didn't even look at the nailed wall. Nailed it. I didn't even look at All the right, wall. All right, listen, honestly, this is a show. It's different than other shows about entrepreneurship. It's real. It's real. Real stories. Is it? We tend to talk very real. <laughs> and it. so do our guests. So come have fun with us. And welcome, everyone. <laughs> the <laughs> way another... to begin this show. Yeah. What's no. the name of this show? What about this idea? What about this idea? Yeah. What about it? What about... What about this idea? This idea. See, we did it again. Yeah. Oh, God. People are going to be so sick of the intro. Well, they can choose. They can choose which one they like. The they best. can hit the skip button 15 seconds. They 15 could. 15 seconds. Yeah. That's they, what I do. They're going to listen to the advertisement. They're not here for and us. they're going to skip <laughs> the beginning of the show. <laughs> they only come for the advertisements? <laughs> they only come for the advertisements. Oh, my God. We better have good advertisers. We will have good advertisers. We do already because one, by the time we get this out there, we're already going to have our advertisers. Oh, I kind of lured that one stumbled on it it was more of like a like a mini stroke or something it's not i only had half a beer i can't possibly well you haven't had a beer for two days so i'm thinking like the saddest thing this is not true get you fat (laughs) i had a glass of wine the other day okay it's sober-ish sober-ish dry-ish 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 damn it's, it's, it's just a, it's slightly wet. wet. January, it's just a damn. People January. don't like the word damn. Is, oh, no, it's moist. No, it's moist. It's moist. It's moist. Yeah. You had to say it. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, damp, moist, slightly wet, whatever, January. Not all the way wet. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Anyway, welcome to our show, everyone. Uh, what about this idea? Uh, what do we do on this show? Why do we do this? You know why we do this? We do this because we know what entrepreneurs are wanting to hear, but we don't know what it is. We do? Are we that presumptuous? I think we know that people want to hear some different perspectives on how people got to where they are. They don't but we want... don't know what those perspectives are until we talk to people. You know what I say? They don't want to hear another dude bro in, in a fancy shirt talking to a different dude bro in a different type of fancy shirt yeah. about like how they are so jacked and they just made it to this this pinnacle of success that's what we're not trying to give people right we we're here for what real entrepreneurialism looks like which is exactly. every tuesday morning with some group drinking coffee going like are you ever going to make it or are we going to talk for the next 13 years of our lives about this idea that you had <laughs> what what about this idea <laughs> just angry. so my uh, family left me again <laughs> And, uh, but I'm sticking with it. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. That's entrepreneurialism. You know, exactly. in one of its many forms. Okay. So we do have a guest. I'm so happy we have a guest. Yeah. 
Yeah, Kate, and you know what? This is what I do when I, uh, it's Agnew, right? Oh my God, I blanked it there for a second, which is what happens when I get put on the spot. Like, I know your name. I typed it in today. I wrote it. I did all this stuff. I was ready for this. But when I when it, when it comes to the moment where I have to recall it, you have the oh shit. Yeah, then I get oh, and then it's gone, and then I'm like searching around in there, and you can see it in my eyes. I think where it's like, why is that guy looking all over the place? I'm looking for the word. <laughs> I do it with people I've known for years. Yeah, I do it too. I really think about I know their face, but I don't know their name. Like I'll go up to them and I'll be like, oh my god, hey you. Yeah. How how you doing? I talk to my cousins and stuff. And I'll even know in detail. Yeah. I'll know a detail about their life, like. Dad, is it, you still got that puppy? Right? And so they think I know their name. Because no, I remember the name. name. I love the puppy's name. But do you know, I bet a lot of those people are like, the minute they walk away, they're like, she did not fucking remember my name. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go. Way to go, Julia. Yeah, puppy. Puppy. Thanks. Yeah. But yeah, then by the puppy. end of the conversation, can you remember them? No. If no? I say it a bunch of times. Oh. I prefer people to wear name tags. It would be a lot easier. It would. Just a little tattoo right across the old the <laughs> cheekbone or something. That forehead, that's so obvious. Oh. Right? I'm just saying. It would be kind of hard. I'm just saying like a little Sam. <laughs> Teardrop. Well, we need like augmented reality contacts. Oh. You know what I mean? Where I don't ever have to remember Kate's name because I look at her and my augmented reality tells me who she is. Um, Kate, you're a programmer, right? You're like into tech. Can you do that for us? It's actually a... This is gonna sound cooler than it is, but it's a project I worked on while at the MIT Media Lab for like a minute. What's that? Augmented reality contact lenses or? Facial recognition to never have to remember someone's name, but then it also has to tell you their spouse's name, different things about them, yeah. Oh. Something after the, this is how Salesforce is gonna take over the world, right? (laughs) Right, but nothing came of it, right? like I said, it sounds cooler, but it's just like a research project of like why it's needed and how yeah. amazing it would be. I mean, do you think that sort of stuff will just jump right into tech, I guess? <laughs> do you think that sort of stuff is going to ruin us in a certain way too, or does it not? I don't really know because every time we make these technological advances, some part of it is, it feels like it's always equal part shitty and equal part good in some way, right? Like something. I have Google Glass. When yeah, when that, uh, little glasses. Yeah. How did you like it? Was like 2013, 2012, maybe? It's been a while, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been a minute. But I've been with my husband for 13 years, and I, his name is Joe. I do know that. But we both knew that. We too. knew that too. We met Joe. But I called him John two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your boyfriend's name? <laughs> oh, no. It's not John. That's a, this is not that kind of show. Oh, yes. <laughs> we are not trying to expose. That's why you only date this people the same name as your wife as her husband. Is what you're getting at? <laughs> They're all Johns. They're all Joes, excuse me. Yeah, I get but it. But going back to the technology thing, I think that I just am trying to... You should get off of that. Yeah, so get off of that. So stuff. going back to the technology thing, you always say, like, that tool itself is not bad, ever. It's not... It's not a it's not a thing that's good or bad. It's how we use it. I I hear you. I mean I think the same of, of like big social tech and stuff. I think it's not the tool, it's how it's used. But it, it's still these things can cause trouble, right? I don't know. You're supposed to answer this. You're the guest, you're the expert. 
Sure, if there's an if there's an answer to it, but I don't think that there is. No, there probably isn't. I don't think there's an answer. And, so, and you know, it's this weird balance between a little bit of governance, a little bit of you know tenacity, and staying with the technology and and being. I don't think careful. the answer changes anything either, right? If we were to say today that artificial intelligence was going to destroy society. Which many people have said, yeah. And we still make progress. Still pushing right along. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're not going back. We're not We're not stopping ourselves from doing the next thing. Yeah, so don't waste time on answers that we don't need. Okay. Fine. It's very expedient. That's <laughs> <laughs> super efficient. Fine. So, <laughs> next. Um, so where'd you grow up? About nine blocks from here. Really? Yeah. Northeast? Okay. Yeah, 22nd and Marshall. Really? Yeah. So really, like straight up the road. Yeah, I was calculating. Yeah. On 13th, right? Yeah. Yeah. 22nd and Marshall. The pink um, house. The, the pink house up the, the road. House. We're going to have to look for it. I feel like I know this pink house. Yeah. Is it still pink? It is. It's like a pale pink What's <laughs> weathered over the years? So my dad at the time, it's not a pink house. It's a, I forget what term he used, like a pale blush. I'm like, that's just another phrase for pink. That's <laughs> just that's another variation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, salmon or fuchsia or whatever. Like there's all sorts of different pinks, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so you grew up right down the street and... Uh, I'm not going to, I won't get into uh, anything about like when that was. It wasn't that long ago, I'm assuming. <laughs> but anyway. Um, <laughs> and uh, so what brings you in here? What? <laughs> well, you have a last minute cancellation. <laughs> How'd you end up on our show? I was available. No, I'm teasing. I know what brings you in here, but um, I would, let's just start. This is different than the start of some of our other ones because, um, Let's start by asking you how you feel you fit sort of into um, this whole idea of entrepreneurialism and, and like what, well, let's ask you what your th sort of thoughts are sort of on what it means to think in an entrepreneurial way. So you invited me to the podcast and I was mm -hmm. like, why? Did he Google me and like, no. what about my background suggested that I could speak about anything entrepreneurial, mm. right? Like you look at, Big company, big company, big company. And I enjoy that work. And so I was thinking a lot about like, how do I speak to entrepreneurialism? Yeah. Uh, and what does it mean? And I think the reality is I don't think of myself as one. Um, but I am someone who likes doing new things. And I've always got a lot of projects underway. And last night I was at a... I was at a city council meeting. I'm on the city council. And I had lunch with James today, by the way. Oh, funny. Oh, what, about what city? Edina. Okay, just curious. And so we're at the meeting last night, and I'm pretty good staying focused, but sometimes these random ideas pop into my head. And last night, I was like, I need to write a children's book this year. And so I will probably think about doing that. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's really about, like, coming up with ideas and then seeing them through 
as far as you can see them, because not everything happens, right? And we were talking about that when I first got in here. You can still be an entrepreneur, even if you don't have the successful startup company or you haven't IPO'd or I don't whatever think that's necessarily even what an entrepreneur is. To be honest, I, I think that it like just because you start a company, you might fit into the entrepreneurial world, sure. But I don't. I just don't think that's necessarily what it is. I think so. it's more a way of thinking, which is what we've always talked about, even though we refuse to look up the word entrepreneur. But it's more of a. It's more of what you just said, right? You know, you have this idea, and you do something about it. Now, there's all kinds of things that we talk to entrepreneurs about, like when do you need to have tenacity, and when do you throw in the towel. What, how do you work with a business partner? How do you get some startup money? Should you get startup money? I mean, there's all of those details that make an entrepreneur a business owner. But I think entrepreneurial thinking is about really at the base of it, doing something about an idea, mm-hmm. just doing something about it. And I mean, you have done that, not only all your projects and all your thinking and your podcasts and all of that, right? But you've done it within the work that you've done in bigger corporations and that you think outside the box, you create something new. And that's what I, when, when we talked about having you on today, I'm like, that's who she is. She exemplifies the entrepreneurial spirit, even though I've never looked it up. So I don't know what entrepreneur <laughs> actually means. Yeah. That's fine. None of us do. Uh, but it does make me think years ago, and this is how I first got involved in a lot of the tech scene here in the Twin Cities, is I was the managing director of the local nonprofit Girls in Tech. Mm -hmm. And I was working at Target at the time. I just started my career at Target. And I realized that there weren't- Target corporate? Correct. Like big Target, not not like helping out at the register at a Target somewhere. Right, city center Target. Okay, just just But I didn't start by going to the, the store, I spent yep. a full week rotation in the store and I got to decorate a cake and it was terrible. So they made me take it home, but I, I worked in like every- <laughs> Let me take it home, hello. I think I still have the paper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but got your discount. I did, I, yeah. did. I think well, it was 10% off. Yeah, boo. Uh, but I, I knew that there were not enough women in technology. And so- I still learned, right? Was Googling it. Yeah. found this organization. There was already a, a Twin Cities chapter, Minneapolis St. Paul chapter. And so I reached out and I was like, hey, I'd love to get involved. So I started going to a couple of the events. And it, I think it was maybe like six to nine months later, they're like, oh, the managing director was moving to Chicago. It's just like, I need someone to take over. I was like, oh yeah, I'll do that. And I was 22 maybe-ish at the time. And... I don't know why she picked me other than like I had the excitement and I had the drive and I had the time. And so I took it over. And at the time, there had been a lot of people that were a part of the the nonprofit board who I think had been involved in it for a long time. And so they all kind of quit. And all of a sudden, I'm like the managing director of this nonprofit with no one to do it with and no direction on how to do it. And I think that was one of those situations where I'm like, I'm not going to let this thing die. Like, what fun is that? Not on my watch. And so that's actually where I got the Google Glass is early, early on when we were first doing Google Glass, you could like tweet at Google about what you would do with it. And I think I tweeted something about, I would 
inspire young girls to do things in tech. It was probably better than that, but they selected me. So I guess it must have been better than that. That's and crazy. Or it was just that. And that's it very well put it in that. Yeah, right. And so I had to purchase the Google Glass, and it was like $1,000 at the time. Google so I did didn't like, give them to you? No. No, I had to purchase it and still go and like pick it up in person. So I had to fly to New York to pick it up at Google headquarters, which, funny enough, I stayed with one of my husband's friends from the internet that he'd only ever met in person once. And I just like showed up. I was like, ah, I'm picking up some. That looks very sketch. Oh no, it was perfect. Uh, and so ended up getting the Google Glass. Did like a little fundraiser. I was on WCCO and they like pitched it, and I got the Google Glass and went and spoke to some schools and used that as the launching point for creating a mentorship program to just really establish women. And who connecting. was leading you at this point? Who was telling you to do these things? Wink, wink, wink. See that? I Who was directing you? I think it was listening to people in the community. Yeah. What do they want? Why Why weren't we seeing more women in technology? And I thought back to my own experiences and my stigma and assumption was that technology was men coding in a basement drinking Mountain Dew. And I didn't like Mountain Dew, so I'm like, I can't go into tech. Well, that's like code red and shit. It can't just be regular Mountain Dew. It's got to be the high test stuff. I yeah, drink there's, red there's more details there. It's it's like no showers, <laughs> cold pizza. <laughs> I don't really like cold pizza. hair. And I didn't shower today, so I have the greasy hair. So maybe I'm more of that. <laughs> You're You've acclimated. I have. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I will. And so I, I think it was just about trying to figure out, like, what could I do with this? Um, and maybe in some ways, like it, it opened the door because then I went out and I found people in the community who wanted to be involved. Um, and I built up the board and I was just LinkedIn creeping on some of them today. And it's like, oh, they're, they're doing quite well with their careers now. And it's, it was a fun way to, to connect with people. I only did that for a couple of years before leaving the Twin Cities, but it was. I mean, you get my, my silly uh, question and my, what is that? It's a rhetorical question, but you get what I was leading at there, right? You were leading yourself into this whatever it was into a, an uncharted space and you were figuring out that you needed to get in touch with google and you're figuring out that you were going to put a board to get back together right no one was directing you to do those things so you don't think of yourself as entrepreneurial huh? not, not at all not, no. not even in the least and what's really funny and even if you think about um, kind of how i got to be who i am right yeah so much of it is well, i don't want to be bored and what, okay. what else am I going to do? Like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, so I might as well try some stuff. I mean, how does this not sound entrepreneurial? <laughs> like, I, I mean, that's like, no, fine, fine. Don't be labeled an entrepreneur if you don't want it. But if it isn't some, if that isn't part of it, then I don't know what it is because that's sort of exactly what we're talking about. Because, okay, so let's say, let's just take for instance, right? There's a, uh, let's just bring it back to your roots. There's a 16 year old, 17 year old girl out there in the world who's like, I don't like doing what everyone else is doing. I always have these ideas and I want to do more stuff. I get bored if I do what, what's, what I'm told to do, but I'm not an entrepreneur. Like you, okay, so let's make them not afraid of it at least, right? Because it's not any one thing. We know that. It's not necessarily starting a business. It might be starting a business, it might not be. It might be, 
uh, taking a director of whatever it is role that you took and, and running with it and doing stuff, right? But how's that, how's that kid or young adult, like how do they make sense of the way that they think differently than the other people around them? Because they do. I have this, this. She says quiet. Because it's it's so inappropriate and probably not even something that I should be podcast sharing. But mm. in this is good. I high like school, this. I sold candles. Oh, yeah. Like what kind of candles? Inappropriate candles. Like 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 phallic type candles. Um, like if, 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 let's say based loosely <laughs> representing different forms of the human anatomy in some ways. Yes. Okay. Why'd you do that? It was my rebellion. Yeah. It was just like. You grew up in a pink freaking house on Marshall. <laughs> of course you did that. You had to do something. <laughs> Dad. Had to do something. Look at my candle collection. <laughs> Well, and I think part of it was like, I kind of wanted one of those candles, but I couldn't justify buying one. And I didn't, like, I needed to make money. So I was like, if I buy enough, I'll get the bulk discount and then I'll just sell them to all my friends and I'll cover the Oh, cost. so you didn't make them? I didn't. Okay. I'm imagining her with these, like, <laughs> molds. I mean, have you ever been? Have you ever been to like the the old tiny farm where they make you make the candles and you got to dip the thing a thousand times or whatever? Like, I don't know how you make it. I'm just kidding. Um, but but I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I'm sure they're made in a mold. Yes. Um, but so you didn't make them yourself, which absolves you of some guilt or sin, right? Because you weren't like handcrafting candles. <laughs> She's an accomplice. An accomplice to the person who actually made them. Just a middle person. Just a middle person. Just a middle person. Anyway, so but did you an entrepreneur? So yes. So <laughs> like when you say you have a business, how how much did you make at this business? Yeah, how, how many did you sell? I made enough to cover my own supply. I, I guess oh, you could Jesus, say. Jesus, this is that went it went perfectly interesting. What? what how but much, then I got shut down. But why do you need a supply? <laughs> I don't need to know the answer. Don't ask why. I don't know what you need the candles for. But I think it was, honestly, it was it was a lot of just, I didn't know what to do with my time. I played a lot of Sims. Uh, I think I got that in fifth grade when I got straight A's. Oh, I was yeah. allowed to choose one video game, so I got the Sims. and I. I mean, that's good stuff. Played it out and yeah. was ready for something new. That's old school. No, you know what? As much as I like teasing you or joking about the whole candle thing, like who gives a shit what you're selling? You're selling something, right? And and in in a world less prudish, like so what? I feel like you're selling a candle in the shape of a. I want one in my desk. Yeah, right, right now. Like I want. We have Calandra, Calandra Reverie, and she's she's got totally love. She doesn't. She'd love it. Let's just have a pot shop. You know, and she's yeah. an attorney. So, like, no, it, I, it, it's fun to tease you about it. There's no shame in that whatsoever. How did you get shut down? What happened? Yeah. Did it, what all come? The man, I imagine. The school. Yeah. Yeah. What? <sighs> I wonder if they would even bother to shut you down these days. Like, I wonder if that's still deemed inappropriate. Not at all. Or if, if they even could. But you, you didn't have an online shop. Then you're peddling no. these things out of your bag. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm opening my coat. <laughs> That's a whole different thing, I guess. It's my inside Columbia pocket. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, it's a different era, you know. Well, when I was in 
elementary school, I actually, there was one time where someone was like, oh, you have a hot glue gun? And I was like, I, I don't, but I should. So I proceeded to carry around a hot glue gun for six years in the event that someone asked for one. <laughs> and no one ever did. I don't know if that's, that's, uh, that's like just being a, a really, really good student or something that's not necessarily prepared. entrepreneurial is what I'm thinking. I want to be prepared. Prepared. So like if you, when you took over, because this is another thing that I think dovetails into entrepreneurial stuff, right? Is um, I think there are different levels of preparedness that people have. And there are some people who, for fear of not being prepared enough, will, will talk themselves out of doing just about anything. Like they will sit on, a, on something, good, bad, or otherwise, they'll sit on something for years and years and years and never do it. And then I, it always makes me sort of sad to hear people um, later on in life say, oh, you know, I, I was going to do this thing once and I thought about it forever, but I never did it, right? Because I, I feel like the things you don't do are the things you're going to regret the most in life. And then there's people like me who are like, I think I'm prepared. I haven't done shit. And I'm ready to go. And I'm like, woohoo, let's go. Who's following? You know, and, and I run in and I start doing stuff. And it doesn't always work out. But it doesn't always work out the other way either. So are you... Do you, do you think that maybe your desire to be prepared leads you to believe that you're less entrepreneurial than others or something like that? My therapist might say so, but I think it's when you well, have those two, those two options, it's pro I'm probably 80, 20. Like there are a lot of things that I'm 80, what 80, which, which direction 80% prepared. I think so. Um, but you came in here today. And you started your own show, so so the twenty percent will get you some. Wing it, yeah. And I, I, I particularly like to do it in public speaking or mm -hmm. um, just signing up for things or going on trips or just whatever. Just I like to just show up. You know, a lot of people love public speaking. I mean, it's like the thing, like the <laughs> most people. Sarcastic. Oh yeah, it's Minnesotan. I'm clearly way too Minnesotan. Yes, I am. I think sarcastic. that's the number one fear. Most people hate, Most people, hate, I mean, it's not snakes or spiders or, you know, earthquakes or whatever. It's public speaking. Yeah. But if I prepare too much, I get nervous. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, I have to get it exactly right. But if I don't prepare, there's no right. And you just kind of do it. I'm and on your so team on that one. I think that there are a lot of things like that. But then there's the other side of it, the 80%, where I do see how there's a foundation and how if you work at something every day, you're going to make progress eventually. I was thinking, so what you were saying was this 80-20 rule, right? 20% like do what you want, be spontaneous, like do that. But 80% you have planned. And I feel like that is the magic sauce, not only for entrepreneurs, but you know, I work with tech leaders and tech leaders need to do that. It's the most, amb it's the most ambiguous position there is in a company and it, IT being the IT leader. The yeah. And there's so much pressure on IT leaders to make a plan. But the fact is, is that you're going to have to react to new technologies you're all, like all the time, even if it doesn't fit into your plan. So it's, it's really that I think there's more and more pressure being put on IT leaders to focus on the product, the outcome. Like, what do you want out of this? And how can I help you get there, mm -hmm. get there, or even adding to that product? 
Okay, so now you kind of thinking kind of lost me, but I want I want you go ahead and answer because I need I need clarification on that. I think it's about every day, right? And so I can't tell you what we'll be doing on my team in three years, what we'll be delivering, what we'll be engineering, but I know that like every day we need to be going in the direction of whatever that thing might be, right? And I I think it's the same thing of whether you're going to write a children's book, right? You don't just sit down. Well, maybe some people do, but I can't imagine myself just sitting down one day and like out popping a book. Right. Right. I got to probably write it and edit it and have chat GPT do another edit on it and come up with some other ideas. And, and so I think through stages and what are the steps that you're taking? And at one goal, I'm very goal oriented, but I only gave myself one goal for 2023 because I overdid it the prior year. I had like 15 different goals. Right. A little too much. It was, it was too much. And I kind of like OKRs where you're supposed to not do everything. There were two. What does OKR mean? Frack. Um, (laughs) Objectives and key results. Oh, thank you. Yes. And I think that you're supposed to target it such that like you hit 80% of them. So like you want to like be overly ambitious. Okay. And then be happy with 80%. And so that's what I did. I took on a lot uh, and I hit most of it. I hit maybe even 90%. Um, but then I was like, 2023, I just want to relax and do one pull up. That's your whole goal? That was my goal. Um, I which, love that. Which is harder to do than you might have. Been. I mean, unless you're already doing pull ups. Yeah. Cause I, I can sit there, I, my boys work out and I can sit there at the bar and pretend like I'm going to make it up there someday with my face, but you have to actually work very, very hard to get there. Right. And that's your point. Yeah. I did. One thing. I went to the gym the first time and I did like the assisted pull up. Mm-hmm. So is that with a strap or something? It has like a, a ledge that you kneel on and it provides counterweight. Okay. And I required, I'm not going to tell you what I weigh, but I required <laughs> 80 pounds of assist. Yep to get myself up and I was like, Oh, I guess I got some work to do. Like, but who can't lift 80 pounds. Right. Um, and then I worked out like pretty hard for like two months and it was like 60 pounds of assist. And I was like, Oh crap. I started doing the math and like graphing out the rest of the year. And I was like, I might need to ratchet this up a little bit. Right. And I literally was going to the gym every other day, 90 minute weightlifting sessions per day. Is this 2023? 2023. Okay. Not entrepreneurial though. Remind you, right? You've already said this, even though you're, you're taking an idea and you're working toward an end result (laughs) and you're doing all the steps in the way that are are in the way to get that need you need to do to get there. Right? Like. You get, anyway, anyway. I wasn't selling tickets to come and watch me do a pull up. <laughs> I know. That's but I what did people it. think of as entrepreneurial. On December 13th, I got in that pull up. That's, that's awesome. Um, so I have a, an experience with the gym. My boys started going a little over a year ago and they are like bulky ripped dudes now, but they weren't when they started going, they were, they were just little kids. They were 14 and a half and. 12 and a half or whatever about that. And, um, they, they really, they put in three, four, five, six days a week and they just work at it and they get to the end result that they want. And I think Mm -hmm. it's awesome. And you did the same thing. And that was your goal in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Are you proud of yourself? 
I am. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. Well, I mean, it, it, did you make goals for this year? I'm working on them. Are you going to do more than one? I am. I'm going back to like full bore. Full bore. Full yeah. bore. Like a lot. I have it across personal, professional, and physical. No shit. And you write this down? Yeah. Like it's a, like mapped out. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And then I, I might like whip out my scrapbooking materials and do like a little collage or make it like really visible to hang on the wall. Cause like you need to be reminded of your goals to achieve them. I feel like I, you look at me like I'm supposed to know what you're talking about. It's a vision board. Yeah, it's very, I'm clueless. Where this are is your like, crafting materials? How do you do I, anything if you don't <laughs> craft vision it? Board. I've got a, I did mine this year on Canva. Oh, I like Canva. So that I, I did, it's funny because, um, I started my company this year in 2023 and that was a goal that I had had. Um, but I didn't realize how long ago I had that goal and I had created, I don't know why I had done this. Who knows? Maybe it was through some speaker suggested it. I had done a magazine cover, um, with me on it and it said, um, when did you do this? Like years ago. Okay. And I just found it. The the the, the magazine cover with you on it that you made. That I made yeah. saying uh, Juliet Fox on the cutting edge of executive technology leadership search, um, breaking the mold. No I, shit. I like put stuff like that, you know, like on there. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been thinking about this for so long. This that the visual of it, the vision of it. You don't have to even think about how you don't even have to think about how once you have that visual that you, you just keep reinforcing it and take action when things come to you. So like, I'm wondering about your pull-ups, like, did you have a trainer that helped you then the specific, like what you lifted or how did you know to train? I went with a friend. You went with a friend who knew how to do it. Well, that's helpful. That's extremely helpful. Well, no, because yeah. I don't know anything. And I think... Were you intimidated at first at the gym? I took triathlon training uh-huh. in college uh-huh. uh, because I wanted to do a triathlon. Yep. And I am I think that's kind of how I go. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'll find someone who knows a little bit more. Uh, I do a lot of like one-on-ones or like, let me take you out for coffee and let me like learn about what you've done and then try and take from that. Um, so that's kind of my style. I love that style. Yeah. That okay. is an entrepreneurial style. Well, can we there. talk about the fact that... Should I whisper it? Because she doesn't think she is an entrepreneur. No, no. I think we've okay. pounded... I mean, I've pounded that. Tr- you can say it a couple more times. I've, I've certainly given her enough of the business over it, I would say. Um, I think you're entrepreneurial enough. And, and I think that, you know, like, of course, in the show, like, we're, we're here to talk about what that means. But I do think... So, I mean, I always try and frame this. I try and put it into my head in, in like this. If I'm a person who does things in it and I'm not comfortable, I haven't found my people yet. Because even like moving in here, meeting you, moving into this space, uh, we should have thanked them, by the way, the Twin Ignition Startup Garage. Coolest place ever. Yep. Um, a co-working space. There are others like this in Minneapolis. This is a great one. So if you're into this sort of stuff. Until we started doing this and moved in here, I don't feel like I'd really found my people. I've been to uh, like One Million Cups things a bunch of times. I like that. That's fun and everything. I'm not, 
I, I can't go hang out there and get anything done. That's just a place to go and, and meet other people. Been to, uh, you know, other startup events. It wasn't until we got into this space and, and these types of things where I felt like, okay, but not everyone here has the same process. Not everyone here is going to do it the same. And, and you two, like you seem to connect over like that process makes perfect sense to you. It wouldn't to me. Like I am just not going to sit down and write things out and craft it and put make the magazine cover. Though I love that you did it, you know, and I love I that. love that I did it two or three years ago, and yeah. that it. I mean, I'm, I haven't been on the cover of not magazine, yet, but, but it's coming. It, but it was the whole idea was that I had created the business and was happening, and we did something different. Yeah, and so I th- I think that's that's a huge part of getting what you want as an entrepreneur or as anybody in life. Ah. You're, you, you can't get what you want unless you want something. You can't have unless you define that thing. It, right? Yeah, you've got to know. You've got to know what you want. Yeah, not knowing what you want leads to nothing. Sort. I mean, my kids right? used to say that, like, I'm such a failure when they were at the, some sporty event, you know? Like, I played basketball terribly. And I'm like, well, I thought you did pretty well. Did you have a different goal? I was like, no. They were like, yeah, scoring some points. Yeah. <laughs> I just figured I'd do well. I'm like, you, it didn't seem like you even wanted to, you know? And I think that's why I'm having a hard time with my 2024 goals. So I'm like, I don't, I still don't know what I want to do in the world. Yeah, be careful of this power that you have now invoked. You're like a superhero, visual creator. No, I, I choose wisely. If I want it, it will happen. Yes. And so what do I want? And last night I was... I believe this too. I'm buying into it. I believe it. I was texting my husband and I was like, I think I want to join the FBI. And (laughs) it's, I think partially because. I mean, how long have you been married? Seven years. Seven ish years. Yeah. Yeah. You got kids? Two. Two. Two and a half and four years old. Your husband's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) The FBI this time, huh? (laughs) And I think it's because. He's like, oh, fuck, I don't want her to be in the FBI. Right. No, not really. Right? Like, he doesn't want me to get shot at work, probably. No, and not very many FBI agents get shot. I'll, I'll just tell you that. No, it's it's they, a relatively safe thing. And compared to being a technology leader? Yeah, your risk is a little higher. Well, <laughs> the pay is a lot less, too. I looked it up. It's like 65000 a year. Most of them n- never make it past analysts, too. So you're like... Oh, I would want to be a special agent. Yeah, right. And in order to be a special agent, you have to... And you would put your mind to it. You'd have the you'd have the little cutout of you running somewhere, and it'd be with the other agents, and it would be, you know, whatever. No, so I was researching, all like, what are the physical requirements yeah. that you have to pass? And if you want to be in the hostage negotiation team, you have to be able to do 20 pull-ups. <laughs> And 20 so, pull-ups. But then, so I get home last night. My, I'm like, you have to do it before you're, like, I think 35 is the age cutoff. So I'm like, I have to do it this there year. There are windows that close to, or doors or whatever they are, yeah. My husband was like, oh, no, it's 37. I was like, are you sure? Google this. <laughs> and he confirmed you have to, I think, apply before your 36th birthday. I was like, oh, I've got time. So it's not a 2024 <laughs> goal, and so I'm back to the drawing board. <laughs> Well, I'm learning here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to re cause I, I didn't make my goals really. I mean, I did, I did make my goals for 2024, but I feel like there were way too many. There were way too many. Are they smart? 
as in specific, measurable, actionable, result-based, and time-bound? Yes. Oh, boy. I've got so much learning to do. Yes. <laughs> I, have a I mean, they're like dollar process. amounts. They're, you know, how I want to feel, right? <clears throat> Sam. You want feelings? Maybe we should. You put feelings in there, too? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, that's good. Feelings are good. I mean, we had a professor on uh, the last one, and I got him to uh, I got him to corroborate the notion that um, you know, five hundred mile long wilderness canoe trips are like an entrepreneurial journey. So, if you look at it from my perspective, uh, years ago, I would plan and guide five hundred mile long canoe trips with other people's kids, and there's a lot of weight in that. Like, mm -hmm. I have to get these kids. I mean, we're multiple days away from rescue. It's a dangerous environment. There's polar bears, there's drowning in the river, there's hypothermia, there's all sorts of things that'll kill you. And I've got to get them safely home. And some of them are little brats, you know, but I got to get them home to their parents. Not brats. I loved them all. Can't help it. I love all the kids. But, <laughs> <laughs> but some of them are brats. Some are a little bratty sometimes. But anyway, and, and like if you... If you watched my planning process for that, you would both be mortified. Like, but I had it all down and I did it multiple times. How many children did you lose? Hadn't lost a single one. Not there even one. Not even one. Different planning process though. Different set of things that I'm ticking off, of ways that I'm writing things down. Like I'm, you know, I'm visualizing a successful finish, but like my my more metered and measured co-counselors that would go out with me. Usually I was, I was pretty much always the one leading them, um, in charge of all the planning. They'd be like, all right, where's the stuff? You know, like, where's the, <laughs> where's the, <laughs> the binder? Agenda. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't have that. <laughs> but anyway, so I, my, my point in, in saying that is that I don't want people, there's already enough imposter syndrome in, in doing stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. So people need to understand that there isn't just one way to do it. And I'm not saying that you are saying there's only one way to do it, but there's multiple ways to get into something and then innovate and, and change things. And we'll, we'll take a little break cause I'm, uh, 11, minutes into this or something. I have no idea because it wasn't going. I get it. Um, but we'll take a little, a little half break. I know we're at least 30 minutes in cause the beer is gone. Is that what it takes to drink a beer? Usually. Yep. Okay. That's it. That's a pretty good gauge of time. I would say we're a little over this time, but, um, no, this has been really fun and, uh, we'll get back to, I do want to, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was sort of ways in which you found yourself, uh, being in an innovator within an existing structure at larger companies. So if at all, and you don't have to say you were, we'll talk about it after the break. So that face, like, don't ask me that. Okay. Maybe I won't. Right. Looking forward to you having another beer. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Does it help? <laughs> Here you are. Oh, You've shit. made it to the middle of the show. Buckle up because oh, the man. second half is going to be even. It's different. 
it's very, always very different. different. It's Things uh, the the little the little train goes off the rails or whatever. The whole does. bus. It usually the, does. By the second half, we're relaxed. It's coming. Here it comes. Yeah, I talk too much. Middle. See ya. Bye. Have fun. <laughs>Anyway, uh, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome to, back. Second what about half. This idea. Yeah, we're not going to subject people to that whole rigmarole. Oh, <laughs> uh, we have a guest. Uh, we've enjoyed a full, full first half with uh, Kate. That is Agnew. my name. Yep, Agnew. Yeah, no, I was Agnew. working. Did you forget again? I was working on the second name. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I know, I know it. Is that your maiden name? No, because Joe has the same last name, right? Joe took my last name. <gasps> really? Mm-hmm. Uh, no shit. Yeah. I like Joe a lot already. Yeah. Yeah. What was the reason for that for jo- old Joe? Well, he was not Bush, the beer, not the president, but I didn't want that confusion. And I, I really felt that I was set ahead in life by being first alphabetically in school and didn't want to set my kids back by being B, B students really out of the gate. Really? No. <laughs> Jesus balls. I was going to say. I was like, did we lose her sanity somewhere? Okay. <laughs> no, there might be. Was there some? No. What? What's the deal? I, well, I mean, it's my mom's name. My grandma's name yep. is Agnew. Your mom's name and your grandma's name. So not your father's. No. Not your father's no, family. No, my mom was never with him. And so I was raised by a single mother and it was her last name and oh yeah my grandma was an elementary school teacher for 38 years and so she was mrs agnew and i wanted to be mrs agnew so there you go yeah i mean and I was so did say, joe say i want to i'll take your last name or well, did you say because arm wrestle for it or so we knew we wanted to have the same last name mm-hmm. so there were three options on the table take his mm-hmm. take mine or come up with a new one Right. I suggested awesome, A-H-S-O-M, as our new collective last name, and he shot that down. <laughs> I don't know why Pretty he wouldn't have embraced that. Uh, we are the awesomes. Uh, and I think that it was, it was really that connection. So we had already agreed that our collective priority was the same. Yeah. And so then it, it was just more important for me to... How did his retain. family feel about it? Oh. Not happy? Boy, he should be the one to speak to that. That's true. Okay. Okay. It's got to be hard because it's tradition, right? Like I didn't take my husband's name. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. I didn't take my husband's name because I felt like I was giving away so much of my identity. Was that the reason? Yeah. I mean, it was just, I was, I had always been Juliet Fox. Always been Juliet Fox. How long? Uh, how old were you when you got married? We don't know a lot Which about time? each other. The first time or the second, second time? time? Yeah, second time. <laughs> so you didn't do it the first time either. No, I did do it the first time, and that was a nightmare. And then you went back to Fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I did it the first time, and the my last name was Vagert. V is in Victor. A J G R T. And if you got one vowel, you got it right. And what was the it? first A. What was Vagert. V-A-J-G-R-T. Vagert. 
Yeah, no, that's like that's bohemian a, or something. That's weird. And I did it the same thing as you, right? Like I wanted to have all of us have the same last name. I didn't even back then consider like, well, I don't know why, because I had such a cool last name. So I immediately, when we got married, became the GM of a large resort up in northern Wisconsin. And I did all the accounting and had to sign that name thousands of times. And I had to say it over the phone. This is Juliet Vaggart. Oh, how do you spell I that? I will never do that again. <laughs> no wonder never you got divorced. Yeah. I will never do that again. So <laughs> that's why once I went back to Fox, I was like. I'm staying Fox. It's a cool last name. One so, might say it was awesome. It's it's not uh, awesome, uh, but uh, it's cool. Like a fox. Right. Man, I like it. So so do I get to play along since I have a maiden name? I was gonna say that. Yeah, like I since I fit I fit into the group in yeah. this regard. Yeah. You don't usually, but right now you do. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other or whatever, yeah. A patronym? Uh yeah, whatever that is. Yeah. Sounds right. Um, I mean, I get patronym. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, no, my, my wife was the death of her lineage, the youngest of three daughters to a man who has an, who is an only child has no known relatives anyway. Right. And so, and I'm one of many. So, uh, yeah, I took her name when we were married. That's awesome. So my maiden name is Tyson and my, my name now is divine, which I had I had to explain to her father like, don't worry, I'm I'm still Sam Tyson. Like I I'm not trying to steal your things. We're just trying to give them to the kids. Like he was a little worried about it, but it's all good. It's all good. And you named one of your sons Tyson. Yeah, yeah. The eldest is Tyson Divine. Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So there you go. It's not awesome, but it's cool. It's not. Awesome. Yeah, we did it twice. We did it. We used the same joke twice. <laughs> It's all good. Oh my God. We have more jokes. <laughs> we have more jokes. There's, I'm sure there is. <sighs> Look, it's moving this time. I feel so much better. Oh, you've done such a good I job. Feel, I know. I have like one, well, two. I have multiple jobs. I do have quite a few jobs over here, but yeah, that was scary. Oof, man. Who knows? So, so Kate, mm-hmm. we, we before we went to oh, yeah, we have a break, case. we talked about... Um, because I'm really curious about it because I work with people like you all the time. Right. And I, there are clear black and whites in, in your world to me, right. There's people who get it. They know how to change. They know how to lead people. They know how to make strategy. They know how to, they know that if they're in a situation with technology or business or strategy that they need to give it time in order to, to make change, but not that much time because we're talking about technology. So I'm curious how you have either been or seen, you know, sort of that entrepreneurial feeling or that spirit and you see it when it's there and when it's not there. It depends so much on the company. Yeah. Of do they, they foster that, um, and celebrate it. When I was at United Health Group, I was a part of the founding group of the United Women Leading in Technology organization. And this is where it was really fun because I, we like did this like speaker series and we brought in women who were retiring or just badass women at the company. Uh, and then we started bringing in some outside speakers as well. 
but I was like, how should we honor them? And I was like, we should get custom made bobbleheads of them because I've always <laughs> wanted a bobblehead of myself and yeah. you can do custom ones. Yep. And you so, can. Yeah, of course, uh, you just have to course. submit some pictures, Sam. And so <laughs> that was kind of my thing is I was like, I would have loved, I well, like still would. I'm not too old. Right. Um, <laughs> gift, gift I mean, idea. Joe <laughs> would love a bobblehead of myself and like to, give to others what I would like to receive in the that's world. The, that's what people do when they gift, whether it's a good thing or not, you give the other person what you yourself want. And I can just see this woman been like a bobblehead, <laughs> like thanks 60 year old. This is my retirement gift. Um, but no, it was, it was really fun. And so I think it was that type of environment where we went in, we're like, this is what we want to do. This is the, the idea that we have. And they're like, okay, here's some money. Here's some, like, go have fun, bring people together. Um, and I know that there are a lot of companies that are like that. And then sometimes you get to companies and they're like, this is the way that it's always been done. And anything that's outside of that isn't accepted. Uh, and those are sometimes environments that I struggle in. Yeah. And I, I hear you because you've, you've worked in a lot of different environments. You've worked in large companies, you've worked in medium sized companies, a couple of small things, right? I mean, you really seen, so does size, um, I'm about to say it. Yeah, don't, go ahead. I mean, I, I was ahead. I was right there with you, does but I wanted to matter. Yeah. Does it, does it have to do with size? <laughs> That's a different way I'm of saying so the sorry. same thing. <laughs> Does it, this is a show about entrepreneurship and we've talked about candles and now does size matter? What is going on here? I, I think we've so when, when we're, we're referring to companies, I oh, don't yeah. think that size matters. Right. What does matter then? Leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, when I, I've gone through the job search process a couple of times and I'm also very prescriptive in that of my must have, want to have nice to have lists of what do I need? What does that role need to feel like in the top of the must have is great leadership. Yeah. Need people who foster that kind of environment. And, and when I think of like the person that I report into, I want someone who is going to challenge me and who is going to remove roadblocks and enable me to move as quickly as I can and, and support me in that. Um, and unfortunately you don't find that everywhere. How do you right? judge that? And I mean, I'm, I have people interviewing all the time. How do you judge that in an interview or how do you, what do you ask them? What does it feel like? So I mean, do you, do you know, or I, I don't mean to interrupt, but it just feels like it's built of intangibles in a certain way. Like you have to know it. Yeah. I've gotten it wrong. <laughs> so feel I, it, I, I'm right? not batting a thousand on that one. Right. Um, but there are ways that I, I would introduce questions in my interview process that got at, well, what would you do in this situation? Um, at United Health Group, I helped update their technology such that they could enable people to use preferred names as opposed to their legal name. Right. Um, specifically impactful for transgender employees, but affects a lot of people in different could, ways. Could be just about anyone in a certain way. Right. Right. And I, I probably had to ask the question internally a hundred times before I got to a person who said, sure, this is how we can do it and we'll do it. And then once I got the okay, it was 18 months for that project to 
maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe it was like nine months. Um, took a while to get yeah. that in. But when you say you had to ask a hundred times, like, so this is, this is where, this is where creative thinking, what, you know, so we could, we could drop entrepreneurialism for a second, but, but creative thinking or change thinking, uh, you're in an organization, you see something that could be fixed. It doesn't even seem like that big of a freaking deal. Like, let's well, just it is it. when you work in technology and you know that there's 16 downstream systems and they don't all communicate to each other and different languages, different eras, different. When they went through and they're like, well, this would probably be like $10,000 per system to update. And there's like at least 16. I'm like, really? I'm like, that's really cheap. We should go ahead and do that. <laughs> right. And then I got the funding and we did it. And what, what company was this? Sorry. United health group. I mean, it feels like, well, whatever. And it's not just spend money, spend money, spend money, but like these things are important to people is, is instituting a change like that. Is it, is the difficulty in that because people don't like change or is it because the system doesn't like change or is it because of the expense? What, what causes the, the hyper resistance to change that we all know happens in organizations? I think in especially larger Explain organizations, <laughs> a lot of it is finding the right person, right? Just because someone has some ownership and I'm using quotes there over one subset of the system doesn't mean that they feel empowered to change it. And so that's where it was really about, I got a lot of no's, but then it's like, well, who else could I talk to? Who, uh. who else might have some insights in this, right? And finding partners and being able to, to share why, yeah, it's $160,000, but if we can't retain some of our top talent, you spend more on that in recruitment. I mean, you, you would speak to that, right, Juliet? I mean, like, like losing one employee, 160 grand. That would to, be a red satisfy. flag for a lot of people, especially mm -hmm. women in leadership, because if, if they won't spend that kind of money to be, to, to honor people's preferences, then what else are they not going to do? Right. Right. And I think that that, that would be a huge red flag. And, you know, I do a, huge discovery process with my clients when I work with them. And it, those kinds of questions are some of the most obvious, you know, great there, you know, what's your percentage of women in leadership? What's your percentage of minorities? What's your percentage of, you know, who's on top, who's, who's not, who's on bottom and why are they there? How often have they been able to excel mm -hmm. and grow in this company? Um, I, it, those, those kinds of things, $160,000 is so worth it to, to let, it, it, here's the problem. It's like before that they'd be like, well, it's just the, it's the technology, right? But then suddenly you realize that you could, can do it and then you don't, that is also. Well, and let's talk about the $160,000 in, in relation to their total revenue, right? It, like it never like that was about the money, right? Like I right. think that they got the figure and they're like, Oh, okay, sure. We can do that. Yeah. And I, I think that the bigger thing is, is about empowering and then also creating the environment where I felt okay, pushing on people to do that. Right. If you, if you're in an environment where it's ask for permission, not forgiveness, any of those kinds of mantras, it's like, I'm not going to go out of my way to ruffle feathers. 
Right. But I had the kind of leader, uh, Heather McMahon, who I, I know we know. And you know Heather? You do too. I, I know Heather. <laughs> and, but she was someone who was just like... Don't, don't do that to me, yeah. We can figure this out. Yeah, make the change we need to make. And, and I think that's where then in interviews or when I'm meeting with people, I'm like, well, what do you think about this? Or, or what kind of change do you enable people to make? Because I'm not, not coming into your company... You just ask to, people at a company, what kind of change are you going to enable me to make? Like, yeah. Is it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, there are a lot of companies who hire people to do the job that they're being hired mm-hmm. to do. And I don't want to today, I manage the Kubernetes platform. I love it, but I don't want that to be the only impact that I make on the organization. Yeah. And so I'm coming in and I'm like, I want to create a rotational development program to create entry level pipelines for engineering and here are all these ideas of that I that I have that I want to do. And what's so important is that <laughs> environment. Do you see my silly face? Okay. It's that oh, environment, so you do right? That. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this one I actually really like too because it goes back to like the employees. And I am such a people person. Like just today I was writing a thank you note to one of my employees who hit his third year, three year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I love again, gifting, like I want to gift. I love handwritten letters. Yeah. They're, they're really impactful. It, it makes a, I mean, everybody loves them. It's a big deal to get one. And so I have a drawer full of thank you notes and I'm like, okay, which one is he going to like the most? And I pick it out and I wrote it. Um, I'm very people focused. And I, I want to go back to what you were saying earlier about relationships, but I'm, I'm going to finish this one side tangent before we you go, go into that you, got, you can, you can do circular, sir. We're going to go all around the globe. Think in there. I like it. Yep. Uh, so I was at a, another local company here in the twin cities and I was walking to work one day and I was listening to this podcast about how paid paternity leave is one of the driving influences in the gender pay gap. And if companies create equal leave for men and women, they are less likely to have a gender pay gap and it it helps to close the gap. So I go to my company and I'm like, we need a paternity leave policy. So do you take like, do you take the article or the study that you read and you come in and you're like, well, no, I kind of just like went and I was like, oh, we just need this. And they're like, okay, write up a one pager. Yep. Okay. I can do that. And did it and then they approved it and it was the coolest thing and then I left the company after only like five months it wasn't like the perfect fit uh and had this really cool other opportunity and it was like four months later someone emailed me and he's like I'm on my paternity leave and it's amazing and I have a new baby and it's those kinds of things of leaving an impact that I love doing okay so uh congratulate you on leaving that impact and i will say from the from a male perspective uh, we get too much shit i get that like we've already we got it all we get paid more but but it goes back somewhat to i don't think anyone let's not say that it was specifically intended to be that way let's just say the system grew up a certain way so the culture of the system grew up in a certain era where certain things happen but the idea of like paternity leave is is funny as heck to me because I I've you watch like Northern Europe, uh, the Scandinavian countries especially, and they have done these things for a very long time, and then you look at the like I lived in Germany, I visited Denmark, I've been to these places, and and everyone's like, 
you don't do that mm-hmm. in America? Like, like they think we're ridiculous because we don't do these things that somehow or other, the company's got the idea that this would harm us. And in reality, it helps them. And it's all about just convincing them, look, this actually does good for you in the end, you know, but somehow that's a really difficult thing to get through, but you did it. huh? Well, I mean, a lot of it's the patriarchal society of, I get it. you know, women are put on this earth to raise children. And so we'll give them time to do that, but not, I men. think it's a, I think that's, uh, you know, incredibly true. I also think it's like an oversimplification of like, how did we get to such a patriarchal society or whatever? Like, because there were, there've always been strong women and there've always been, but the, the, the systems grew up in an era where the men made the rules and changing people's way of doing things is very difficult, but it sounds like you're chiseling away. Both of you are chiseling away at these things. Yeah. I I mean, I did, I have, I've started other women in tech groups. I was with a group of people that started SysTech. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Um, but it was around COVID time and, you know, we did end up doing one conference, but we probably shouldn't have, I guess, cause it was right during COVID. Um, <laughs> but it was really, everyone met. got sick. We all had sort of a different way of going into this nonprofit and thank goodness they've kind of taken it up again. But what I wanted to do is like I, my pal, she's so amazing. Her name is Susan, Susan Davis Ali. She's a PhD of women in leadership. Right. And so I, just reached out to her one day and asked her, what is it? You know, what is, why, why is it taking us so long to find equality? And, um, she, 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 she she wrote a book and she gave me a book about it and it, it sort of explained it. But in particular, when you look at like tech specifically, why are there not more women in leadership and tech? And, Apparently what it has come down to is that women who are already like at Heather's level, right? Like CIO level, VP, whatever, CTO, I think she is right now. At that level, companies do make a great investment into the people who are already there. Where they don't make an investment is that like, it's called the broken rung. It's from being an individual contributor to a manager. And almost always people see men as more capable of being that manager, right? And um, even women do it. And so that's where, that's where it's broken. So we yeah. can't get to that, that higher level. Yeah. It, I mean, it's uh, certainly hopefully getting somewhat better out there in the world incrementally. Well, I don't know. You know, we've COVID had some set setbacks. <laughs> we've had COVID, a lot COVID ma- major setbacks where women are like, I'm not, I'm not going to go into that corporation and fight anymore for respect and equality. I'm well, I've told you this before and I don't want to make anything huge out of it, but, but like when I've interviewed women for jobs that I've interviewed men and women and the men always come in like, convinced that they're absolutely and and like they just present this image of themselves as being the absolute perfect person for this i'm super highly qualified and then the the woman comes in and she's more qualified better gonna be way better at it and she's like i'm not sure i'm the right person or whatever like 
I don't know how you fix that because that's got to be, I mean. Well, you listen to it differently, right? You don't ask women to be different, although I would in, inspire women to be different because the system's not going to change before you change. So change the way you put your blinders on and get into those leadership positions because the more people we have in those leadership positions, the better off we are. Yeah, I mean, I I don't, let's fundamentally, uh, women don't make better nor worse managers than men, right? Is this what we're, what we're saying? Like, ultimately, I, the reason I ask this is because there's like, whether it's, whether it's people of color or women or whatever, men, we know that men get into these leadership roles more often. And we know that other people have a hard time with getting into them. And then there's a pay gap and everything. And the fundamental argument that that should be made is that anyone and everyone could be in one of those positions as long as they've earned their way into it and they're good at what they do. Right? Well, I would advocate for the fact that women haven't been given the same and many minorities have not been given the same trajectory to get there. Mm -hmm. So when I am advising people of hiring uh, tech leaders and they're looking at the difference between this man who's had all the opportunities in his whole life to get to where he wants to be and this woman who has been held back largely in her career to think about what you're willing to do as a company to fill that gap. What gaps are you willing to fill? Like, is it, is it experience in e-commerce? Is it leadership experience? Is it they haven't had enough reports over time? Can you, can you train that? In can you, can position, you train in right? the, in where you, where you see deficiencies, can you train into them what you see as being the correct training that gets them? Over, yeah. And over so them? it, 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 it's a bit of an affirmative action plan, but it's the way that people need to look at if there's a man and a woman, you're like, well, you know, they're equal. Most of the time they're not. I, no matter what kind of bravado they came into the interview with, right? They, most of the time they're not equal and because, but equal on paper, like you're better at assessing that than I am. I, I think natural born leaders are natural born leaders in a certain way. And, and that, and I, I'm, I don't, I'm not in that world. So I don't know. I'm asking these questions only because I'm dumb about this. Right. But like, um, if you, if you, if everyone comes down to these things that get quantified in columns and you're like, Oh, not, not enough of this leadership and not enough that you're missing all the things that the other intangible <laughs> things that this person might bring as far as building culture, uh, growing your company in ways that aren't, you're not able to just say, you know, put, uh, put it to paper like that. Like, well, and I think that's why it goes back to so much of what I was saying of it depends on the company and the leadership that you have. And some people are going to only value, have you done this exact thing? And right. can you come and do it for me? Quantifiable things that say, I hope oh, that person's better than that person on paper. Like, don't you have to sit down and talk to them? And, and that's what you do, right? In your work. I do. And I, I have to, to coach women up all the time. And I will say them, say to them, we have men who have less experience for this position and I had to dig that out of you, right? right, right? Like right. I had to dig that out of you. And so I, in fact, today, today we were sending a woman in for a, 
a large position. And she just kept saying, I don't, I don't know if I'm qualified. Like I, I'm, I'm really trying to pump myself up here, but I haven't done those things. And I'm like, neither has anyone else that we are putting in front of that client. Right. Right. Like you're going to figure it out. In fact, you probably have done much more relevant work. And she's like, well, you know, I just haven't done it. And I'm, and I'm, and I don't know if I'm ready for that next step. And I, and I was like, you will never be ready. You just have to take this step. Not if you, not if you think that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Make her do some of the power pose. I know. Before builds up your confidence. Yeah. And I don't then know you if, can go in. I like it. Mm-hmm. Whatever it takes. See, now it's, I'm actually glad you have video. <laughs> Cause you did the power pose, right? Well, if it's working, I don't know. The whole thing's all screwy. My light's not even on, thank God. My, mine's not either anymore. I think you're the only one on camera. Me? No. Me. Our guest. Oh, My light's on. Perfect. But I can see all three of it. It's very weird. I, we still have some work to do to figure this stuff out. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, it's about, the show is about entrepreneurship. And the reason, like, I wanted to get a little deeper into that part of it is because in, in some ways, I mean... If you're trying to, if you're trying to quantify exactly who is the right person to do any certain thing, and you're going, you're going by like these metrics that, that were probably part of the old patriarchal system more than they are any sort of newer system, I would say, um, you, you get away from, you get away from the potential benefit you get from people who do think differently than, than what's in the columns. Right. And those people, whether they've got brown skin, whether they're a woman, you know, who cares, right? Like they, whether they're a gay man, it doesn't matter. Whatever differences they may have from the standard kind of male dude that does the job. Um, some of those differences are exactly what like drive, innovation and success in that's exactly what drives diversity drives innovation yeah i mean it's gotta be it's gotta be embraced it's gotta be it's it it, in and that's what i say is if if i'm working with a company that has all men white males as their leadership i'm like i don't care which woman you choose or which person of color you choose just choose one because you're going to be so much better for it you're going to be so much better for it because you have a, a voice well, and even I worry that about that person. person. <laughs> I do. I worry about that person. I'd go even deeper and say, like, if you if if you only include candidates who went to these specific schools through these specific programs, you're missing out on these people who have other ways of thinking. No matter what they they look like or what their experience is, you know. Granted, they have to have relative, relevant experience. I understand that part. They have to be in there. They have to be able to get into the ring, so to speak. But man, give everybody a, a fighting chance to to go after it a little bit, right? It's hard. I mean, these things are built into culture. You would you would you would be hard pressed to find a man on a leadership team that is all men to say that they don't want diversity. They they will say they want it. Oh, I'm sure they'll say I'm they, sure they, they want. Do. But they, but in every action that they make, their subconscious creates something different. Well, and there's self-preservation involved too. I mean, they, you know, no one, they don't want to lose their position either. So, I mean, that's, it's a hard one because you're in order, it's not a zero sum game or whatever, but in order, it's always seen as if, 
you know, the old trope of like, well, the only reason she's here is uh, diversity or whatever. The only reason that person's here is because of diversity. Like, well, you kind of, do you not know the person? Like they're also frick frack and smart and you got here because your uncle Steve got you the fucking job. So shut the fuck (laughs) up. Like, yeah, like whatever, you know, (laughs) sorry. That's, (laughs) that's a little stereotypical, but I'm saying that sort of stuff happens. But I would say you did one hell of a job of uh, you have to go back to something you were doing. Uh, we we kind of interrupted. Oh, what? You don't have to do it if you if you can't. If you if if it's in there, go to it. Okay. So early on, <laughs> you said, "Oh, you were talking about like the people. You have to have your people." Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that I'm trying to bring into my goals for the year is connecting, connecting with other people that are are like minded. And it was the thing that I was looking for in college, right? Like, where did I feel my people? Um, I went to McAllister in St. Paul. And it was because when I went and did my tour, I was like, oh my God, they get my humor. Like, I love it. Like, these people are amazing. And it was an environment that I was able to really grow and find my way in in ways that I don't think I would have had I not had my people. And I'm at that point right now where I'm like, I don't know who my people are mm. right now. Like as an adult, you've grown away from. Yeah. You, yeah. That's you'll, you'll get back. Yeah. You'll I'm get a, back to it. I'm a different person. And, Having and then kids there was makes you COVID different. and COVID blew everything up. It's like, how, how do you find your people? I agree. I totally agree with you. Like I, I, I don't know. It feels like I have, uh, used to have really close a small posse of close friends and now I don't know if it's this wave pattern between me becoming something different or going into a different part of my life but it's like suddenly I have a large group of not as close really cool people that I get to hang out with Mm -hmm. but they're not someone I'm gonna go and cry to Right. And so I, I hear you. And I You're think bringing emotions like, into our show. I'm sorry. How dare I? I'm just kidding. No, I, I completely understand. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, where, where do I belong? Mm-hmm. And I think it, you have to kind of follow. Like, if you're growing, you have to kind of fall away from groups so you can redefine yourself. Is right? it is it harder? I'm just curious because I've found it difficult. Like, is it harder to get to become actual friends with people as as you've gotten older? Like. I, I don't know. I I've never been good at making friends. No? Only in college. What We were friends really fast. Well, that's what you think. You haven't even <laughs> cried with me yet, though. So clearly we're not That'll that close. That'll happen. That'll happen. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that I have, a, I have a tough personality in some ways. And I think a lot of, maybe even a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of creative thinkers <laughs> might feel the same way, right, of... I, I don't like to have small talk, really. I like to get deep with people. I like to form really close relationships. I like. Oh, I hate small talk. To be able to be transparent, open, and honest. Yeah. And there's so many people that are like, "Oh, did you just say that?" Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I, I can't hang out with like I've lost. I, I lost a really good friend who I was always really close with. Who could all you know? We could say whatever we needed to with each other. I lost him last year, but um. Yeah, like most most people, when you meet them, like they want to keep it at a superficial level for so long. 
before you actually get to know them. Like where, where to expose any vulnerability is tough. So I don't know. It's, that's tough. But um, I'm going to solve that. That's my challenge this year. That's on challenge, your list. Challenge for yourself. It's on your vision board. Or maybe I'll make a company to do it. Okay. Um, my, <laughs> no, no, I'm with you. I would say, I would say there's a couple of things that you've touched on that I think are super important. Uh, I, in, in that case, I would say that making change for yourself is always going to yield more reward than it is to try and get anyone else to change. So if you make that change within yourself, you'll probably see it in other people, whether they actually change or not, cause it might be your perspective. Um, but also I think, um, the culture. So I, we're going to have to delve deeper, not here today. We've, we've done enough damage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fine. You lost the first to our reputation. <laughs> no, I don't, we'll find it. Uh, no, we've, we've, uh, we've done a really good job, but, um, no, but the, the entrepreneurship of culture, I guess is what I'm thinking of. And, and like what it means to, because, especially in corporate life, but even in any small business product output, get the job done. This is the thing that you're driving toward all the time. Right. And, and it is, it can be, get overlooked. How important is our culture? And, and like, if we, if we think more entrepreneurially about how we might, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, vision board ourselves out a culture that we want to see maybe we already have a good culture at our company but maybe we want a better one right and how do we get to that what does that look like because you can't just will it into existence unless you're small enough that you've got some charismatic leader that you know that can bring that forward that's pretty rare right if you're at all a larger company the thought of how do we get our culture to change to be better than it is now, five years from now or 10 years from now, you have to think in an entrepreneurial sort of way and, and start instituting some plans and some ideas and throw some shit around and see what happens. Right. Isn't that the way it works? It is. And then be tenacious and in, in pursuing it. Well, that's the entrepreneur does. Yes. Yes. Because that you can't, it's, you almost can't be, you shouldn't call yourself an entrepreneur unless you're willing to just keep chugging away at the thing that you're just keep at. swimming, just keep swimming. Yep. But the, but the, uh, the change, the entrepreneurial change of culture within a company is something I, I guess we're going to have to think about more in the future. I don't know. I like it or I'll think more about it. I don't know. But anyway, Kate, I, what do we say? I don't know. Do we thank you for coming in? Do you have anything you want to say to the world before we <laughs> kick world? you out of here? Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> like the eight people that will be listening. Seven, no. we're, we're together in that. We're going to have more than that. Um, no, this has been great. I think my Minnesotan just came out. I think. It did. Oh yeah. This oh, has been great. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's going to take you 45 minutes to leave, isn't it? It is. <laughs> We're goodbye. Gonna, we're going to say goodbye 10 different times. <laughs> oh, one more thing. <laughs> yeah. Hold on a second. Um, no, I mean, this was really fun. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, late notice kind of, you know, we, we linked up on LinkedIn, which is, is nice. And you said yes to this and you came in and did it. 
Um, and despite not being entrepreneurial, you sure had a lot of stuff to say about, uh, I would say valuable stuff about companies, culture, entrepreneurship, all that stuff. So That's good. I appreciate it. Thank you. See, now I think this is going to spark her entrepreneurial bone, right? So by, I think it's we'll, already, we'll yeah. meet again next year at this time. We'll read the book. Your book, yeah. your children's book that mm -hmm. you're going to put out. Unless I write a different book. Well, you can write a book. different book. It was, it, did you leave it that open-ended? I think you said it was going to no, be No, I did book. say a children's book, but I've got like 40,000 words written of like a memoir, but it's like... Hey. I'm shooting for 80. I know that there are some published at 40,000, but I'm shooting for 80,000. But saying 80,000 words. Yeah. That feels to me like you're just throwing words at something. Like I just got to keep putting words into But I feel like it's only half done too. Like when I go and look at it. You already have written 40,000 mm -hmm. words? Uh, on what topic, if you don't mind my asking? It's a memoir. Yeah. It's, it's just like my childhood. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. I mean... Uh, I think a big part, so I wrote it and then I was waiting for like the end, and but not a, like, like my life. Right. Like I wasn't waiting to die. Cause then how would I finish the book? But you'd have to have someone else finish like a psychic. You. You'd have to like connect with a psychic. <laughs> or to just get it like, don't die so that you can finish the book. Yeah. No, but I mean, honestly, it's about, it's about my childhood and it's about growing up with a, a single parent, a mom who sold drugs for a living and the trauma and struggles that that in and of itself created, right? Sure. Like yeah. illegal drugs? Yeah. Like oh. opioids. Well, I mean, we really wait, missed, she we didn't really say missed. she was a pharmacist. <laughs> I used, illegal when I was drugs. in like high school or like middle could. school, I would be like, oh, my, my mom's a pharmacist. Because you're not going to say... Yeah. My mom's a drug dealer because then she no. would have gotten arrested and all of that. Yeah. Um, but she has gotten arrested now, so I can talk about it. Um, but I, I think <laughs> I thought a lot about that even as I was driving here because I'm like, that's kind of like OG entrepreneurial, right? No, it totally is. Yeah. And, and so even though like I, I look back and I, I do have a lot of feelings, mm -hmm. right, and things that I would have done differently and, and I as a parent do very differently than what she did and the decisions that she made, there's always that duality. Of Are you situation. close with her still? No? No. Okay. I, I mean, we don't, you know. I bought her a condo, but now I'm. I mean, that feel you're regretting it? Is that what you were going to say? Well, we did kick her out. We're okay. waiting for her to move out. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, yes. Uh, uh, let's just say that there might be, there's any number of different reasons. You could be a veterinarian and you could be a bad veterinarian or a good veterinarian. You could be, uh, you could own a body shop. Uh, and, and fixing people's cars and screw them over or not screw them over. There, there was a time, and if we look back on it now, with you know all the lives ruined, um, and Calandra talked about this, all the all the lives ruined for making it an illegal thing to sell drugs. Like, but then again, there's the difference between am I giving people heroin or am I giving selling pot? You know, I I, I would make a distinction mm -hmm. personally between the two. Um, so, you know, we won't get into that, but yeah, maybe I, I think first of all, yes, you know, world, uh, maybe not well equipped to give your mother a, a, a good career for whatever reason that may have been, maybe 
maybe selling drugs was her entrepreneurial answer, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe that was the best she could do to, to earn a living and, and support you and take care of you. She knew she wanted to be around and there for me. And the idea of putting me in a daycare, which I mean, we all know, right? Daycare is expensive. Yeah. Super expensive. And, and you don't single get to be parent and you, you're not with your parents. Like she wanted to parent me. She wanted to be around and she didn't have a college degree, right? Mm -hmm. She was a single parent and and this I was think uh let's, she felt that she did not have any other options. Let's assume this was in the 80s and 90s, something like that. Something like that. And that's uh an era where uh you know, corporate America was shipping all the jobs overseas. There weren't a lot of options for a lot of people. Uh, and then you think about mental health, too. Lots of other and things going on. It can be for certain types of people, it can be very hard to do a 95. Yep. So, uh, you know, not to, not to cut your mom slack, but I'm just saying, uh, yeah, you, you said it, that is entrepreneurial in a certain way, or it's at least, and not to bring it all back to that, but it's at least, uh, you know, taking, taking advantage of what you see in front of you and doing something with it and trying maybe to make the best. I don't know. You know, you, you seem to reflect that, that, um, tenacity in a sense of self-discipline, right? And I don't know if you were overcompensating by having that self-discipline and that planning, that 80% planning, right, for maybe the chaos in your life at the time. But that may also be that she was being a bit entrepreneurial, right? And you have adopted much of that because, you know, as entrepreneurs, we often, we often lose our friends, we, we often, oh, everyone thinks you're crazy. Yeah. Everyone thinks you're crazy. Well, we are all a little crazy, but you know, <laughs> you do lose something in that and you have to be very disciplined in order to keep your eye on the prize. Mm -hmm. And you're usually doing something that no one else is doing because you're, you're almost you always be. doing something that's a little bit more difficult because all the easy stuff is already taken, you know? So, yeah. 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 Well, we got into she the said, personal side of things there a little bit. <laughs> See, we, were, we already said goodbye. What is wrong with that? Nothing. You can just cut that. No. Unless you, I mean, if you truly asked me to, I would. But no. no, I don't think there's anything wrong with people hearing that. No, there's nothing wrong with us getting into the personal side. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. That's what the show should be about. But I just meant, I don't know what book I'm going to write this year. It might Jeez, be that that's too. what it was. Whew. Yeah, thanks. We needed to tie that one up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you don't know what book you're writing. Well, I would say whatever you write, uh, it will. I, you know, I don't read that much. I'll I'll read it, um, but I'm sure it'll be enjoyable. And it's always. I just think that it's writing is one of those things that um, people have to be realistic about. If if it's important to you, fucking write it, get it done, and get it out there, because there's the chances of becoming a superstar writer are pretty small. Uh, the chances of that being at all the case, if you don't just write the thing and get it out there are zero. Yeah. So this write it, that get it done and be out there. That I have procrastinated the shit on. Like and and you don't on most things. Oh, right? I've talked about this for 15 years. I'm going to write my book hmm. and it's easy enough to write it. Do a thousand words a day. And all of a sudden you have a book at the end of the month, right? Like right. that part of it isn't hard. But I, I think it's that perfectionism and it's the idea that like the story that's being written is the story of my life. And how do I wrap it up with a tight bow when I 
don't know what the story is yet. I know that's interesting because history <laughs> changes based on your perspective, you know, of what happened. The, the more you change, the more your story changes about what happened on that day or what somebody did or whatever it is. And so it's got to be very, um, a very growing experience. So it's not just, you're not just writing a book. You're like revealing something about yourself and changing the story to a certain extent as you write it. And trying to unpack who I am. Who and are you? Changing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, good freaking luck. <laughs> it just sounds, it's so much trouble. Um, I forget where I was, but I listened to someone uh, talk about writing books. And they, and they basically said, in response to someone's question, they said, like, you realize you just got to stop someday and give it over to the editor. Because you're just, you're never going to finish editing your own work ever. So yeah, just whatever, give it to someone, be done with it. That's my advice, but whatever. It's your life. It's your life. You seem to be doing uh, great. So, all right. What have we got? Is that it? I don't know. I think we solved some problems. Whew. I'm not sure I have to think about it. <laughs> all of the work. I learned. Was... I don't know. I learned a I lot. I enjoyed every minute of it. I did too. It's true. I enjoyed at least 80% of the minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you got an 80-20 thing going all the time anyway. It's good. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Kate. Thank you so Thank much you. for coming in. You're a breath of fresh air. Yep. Don't cry. It's over. Oh, you did it. You made it to the very end of the show. You know what you can do to help us? What can they do to help us? They can tell their friends how awesome this show is. Yeah, why not? Why not? You know what else? And I don't know if people know this or don't know this, but like if you if you found us and you see us on socials somewhere, just hit repost or sh- or you know share it with your community. Share, repost, follow. Isn't there a follow option? Yeah, of some follow, kind? subscribe. We're not going to charge you anything. No, just hit the subscribe button. No, it's we just need you. to create a community around entrepreneurism and how the real shit happens. <laughs> I like it. Well, because we're real. You said it in the intro. Real, real, real. We, we talk real. <laughs> um, no, seriously, tell your friends. What a great show. Oh, my gosh. These people are doing the best work ever. Yeah, right? That's what you should say. Yeah. 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 And uh, just come back. Have fun with us. We we love this. We'll have someone. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll interview someone cool next week, too. Someone completely different. Yeah. From prison. Thanks. <laughs> we always have to have that. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs>